This is With You in the Weeds. Do you ever find yourself stuck in between what you know to be true and what you actually experience? Or the difference between where you are and where you want to be? Well, if so, you're in the weeds. And like weeds, those tough places keep coming back. I'm Lynn Rausch. And I'm John Tennant. As counselors, Lynn and I deal with those weeds all the time. Together, we designed this podcast because we want to be with you in those weeds, kind of like God desires to be with us. Hmm. Now, that idea will change everything. So we hope you'll listen in and let us be with you in the weeds. Let's get started. So in this episode, Lynn and I are in a series, along with the rest of the team, on managing your relationships. And in this episode, Lynn and I tackle toxic relationships. This is going to be so fun, John. I can't wait to talk about toxic relationships with you. We've known each other for 10 years now. I mean, do we? We have a pretty good friendship, but there have been some bumps in the road. I mean, it hasn't been totally smooth sailing, has it? I mean, you almost didn't want to take this job, right? Yeah, I almost didn't take the job because you're married to Shay. So you're kind of like a queen because mm-hmm. Shay's my boss. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like the prime minister of England. Mm-hmm. And it could get really <laughs> tricky. Yeah. It and, has a setup for being a toxic relationship for sure. Yeah. And I stormed around and I told Paula, I'm not taking the job. And she said, that's ridiculous. Lynn's fine. You'll be fine. And it's been fine. But, you know, like yeah. a couple of porcupines on a cold night, no matter how you snuggle up, you poke each other. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing is when you swore that I gave you COVID. You did give me COVID. Shay would disagree. <laughs> And he's told me I have the freedom to disagree with you and you guys can work it out. But that was our biggest bump. Yeah, that was that was rough. And I didn't intend like to give you COVID. I didn't know I had it. Right. But you coughed. on He says you didn't get it. You coughed on me. Well, not like directly (laughs) like you go, (laughs) not in a vehement way. I was just within your proximity and I coughed. Okay. well, at this point, there's no way to prove or disprove that you gave me COVID. But thankfully, we worked through it. We got past it. We survived it. And now, like, we're good friends and we've been friends for 10 years. And you lived. And I lived through it. You made it through. Yeah. So toxic relationships, very important to think about. Um, Primarily who we surround ourselves with are going to shape who we become. Yeah. I have an old mentor who used to say over and over and over again, show me who your friends are now. I'll show you who you will be in five years. Mm. I think that's a good principle to think about. So let's start by clearly stating what we mean by a toxic type of relationship, what it is, and then we'll go into what it's not. Mm -hmm. So what do we mean? Real simple. I did a Google search. Very first hit that came up when I typed in toxic relationship, read this. A relationship is toxic when your well-being is threatened in some way, emotionally, psychologically, and even physically. Then you go to the dictionary definition, and it says toxic means poisonous, very harmful, or unpleasant in a pervasive and insidious Mm. way. Mm -hmm. Pretty descriptive. I think of what we're trying to get at when we say toxic. So even our bodies, if you think about how they work, they eliminate toxins. 
We have cells and organs that protect us from all the harmful stuff that comes in that if it were allowed to stay in our bodies would really create serious damage. Mm -hmm. Our hearts are like this. Our relationships are like this. One of my favorite passages in Proverbs 4, the wisdom writer, thousands of years ago, Mm -hmm. he's instructing his son on how to build a life that flourishes and is healthy. And this is what he says. Above all else, guard your heart. And your heart really is all-inclusive mind, emotions, choices, motivations, everything that's internal to you. Guard your heart, for from it flow the wellsprings of life. Mm -hmm. Awesome passage. Yeah, I love that verse. The reality is that we live in an environment where sin is kind of like a, a virus, kind of like COVID. And it creates this toxic environment. So naturally, our relationships are going to be susceptible to the way that that sin virus weaves itself in creatively. And relationships are meant to be really good, Mm -hmm. really life-giving. But we get into trouble when we don't understand conditions, boundaries, and we don't have the ability to discern. Yeah, this is a great way to look at it. And I think when we recognize that the toxins that poison a relationship live inside all of us, it helps us see that, you know what, we're all dysfunctional, right? We're all Mm -hmm. on the same playing ground. And you don't have to be taught how to be hurtful to another person. It's like a natural gift. It comes, yeah, yeah, it comes very naturally. Like we don't have to teach our kids how to fight. You don't have to teach them how to use their words as a weapon. We're just born with it. And, you know, it was funny the other night we got up some home movies. We were celebrating one of our kids' birthdays and we thought, oh, this will be fun. We'll get out some home videos from when the kids were little. And it's just so funny to see a snapshot of them from, you know, 15 years ago because it's like they're the same people now just in bigger bodies, but all their personalities come through. And in this one video we were watching, the kids were trying to play a board game. And um, let's just say that we have a child who I shall not name, but um, this particular child really has a hard time losing. And so in this little video clip, um, they're having this argument over who's won and who didn't win. And like somebody's being a sore loser and they're fighting and the board, you know, the game board's being thrown across the room. And it was just over this silly little game. And so the point is that our default mode is really towards toxicity and dysfunction. It's just wired in us. I got kicked out of a guy's house in college because we were playing risk and his wife took over my country. (laughs) And I got really upset with her and he got upset with me because I got upset with her and Uh we had to shut the game down. Oh, Now, Julie, the wife, you know, she was the cool head in the room. She said, Keith, it's just a game. (laughs) Anyway, we had to shut the game down for a while. Right. Yeah. So this stuff comes naturally. for sure. So let's clarify something. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk about what we do not mean by a toxic relationship. And I think this is important to highlight. We don't mean when we use the word toxic is the way it's kind of popularly thrown around carelessly today. Like somebody who disagrees with this, oh, they're toxic. Or we have friends that we don't like, people we have conflict with. This is part and parcel, this high reactivity Mm. to what may be quote unquote toxic. I think it's part and parcel of this, what's referred to by psychiatrists, sociologists, researchers 
the term social contagion. Mm, it's mm-hmm. like the social contagion of our current cancel culture. I love this description from a psychiatrist, New York Times bestseller, uh, Dopamine Nation. She talks about the power of social media to suck us into a whirlwind of suspicion, cynicism. Mm. Uh, she says this, human beings are social animals. When we see others behaving in a certain way online, these behaviors seem normal because other people are doing them. So Twitter, she references, is an app name for the social media messaging platform that's favored by pundits and presidents and all kinds of people. She says it's apt to call it Twitter because we are like flocks of birds. Mm -hmm. No sooner has one of us raised a wing in flight than the entire flock rises into the air. Mm, I love that word picture. You know, Jules can pull this out and create like a little video about it using a flock of birds. But it really is an apt description how we get so easily triggered, whether it's a game, whether it's social media. Our culture is cancel. And we're very cynical, very skeptical. What we don't want to do in this episode when we talk about toxic people is give myself, you, or other people ammunition to sort of cut people out of our lives. We don't want to increase suspicion, but we do want to set people up to identify and create the kind of life-giving relationships that we were made for, that we all really want. So, We're not talking about canceling, isolating when we talk about toxic. We're talking about how to recognize a toxic relationship, one that's truly toxic, and to be on guard, something we need to learn to do. Uh, It's what the wisdom writer means when he says, guard your heart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this phrase, like you said, I, I see it everywhere and it's being tossed about and I, I think that sometimes we do use this as a convenient way to, you know, write someone off that we don't like or write off a group of people that we just don't want to have to deal with. But I think when it comes to this issue, I, I think we could take a principle from um, like a holistic medicine practice that is, goes something like this. You are the first patient, meaning if you're a physician or a healer, don't recommend treatment that you aren't willing to undergo yourself. I mean, I think that's hmm. that's a pretty good starting point. Um, but maybe we could put it a different way, and that is that I don't think you can heal a toxic relationship until you have undergone treatment yourself. And so I think the reason why this is applicable is that if you are in a toxic relationship, then you carry some of that toxic burden. Explain that. And we'll... What I mean is like if if we continue on with this whole healthy versus versus um, toxic analogy is that toxicity is something that slowly develops in a relationship over time and eventually it becomes so poisonous that it can overrun us or overload our system to be able to, you know, like you were talking about, discharge or eliminate these toxins. Are you suggesting that it's subtle, like frog in the kettle? Yes. Like you don't really recognize it at first, and then it builds up and now it starts infecting the relationship. Exactly. And, you know, relationships are like a system. You know, it's a flow of energy between two people. We're not just concrete blocks sitting around. Uh, We're, you know, relationships are dynamic, they're fluctuating, and they're either being fueled positively or fueled negatively. 
because every interaction that we have with another person creates some sort of impact on them. Hmm. Not just those big moments, but even the small moments. And we talked about this on our Broken Trust episode, so go back and listen to those if you haven't yet. But basically, getting to the root of toxicity in a relationship needs to start with treating yourself as patient zero. I think that's just a good starting point. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea to start with yourself as the first patient. You know, there are a lot of passages in scripture that speak to the wisdom of this. One of my favorites is Psalm 141.5. Let a righteous man strike me. That is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. That is oil on my head. And that's ancient language mm-hmm. for oil on the head that they, their skin would dry out because they were in arid desert territories. So they, need, they needed things to soften their skin and keep them fresh and whole. Mm-hmm. So let a righteous man rebuke me. That is oil on my head. That is life-giving. That's healing. My, my head will not refuse it. Mm-hmm. So if someone has said something, let's say that bothers you, or you took offense to, or was hurtful, it's really good to examine where your own stuff Mm -hmm. might have played a role in it. Or maybe that person actually has a point. This just happened to me this weekend. I was reflecting on something I did in ministry a number of years ago, and I had uh, been reading a quote that really triggered some thinking. And I started to think, you know, maybe I wasn't exactly in the 100% right Hmm. in this instance. Mm -hmm. Maybe I did contribute something. Mm -hmm. Very hard for me to enter into because what was happening was really hurtful. Sure. So the idea was like, well, if I admit that I had something to contribute to it, Mm. then they're going to get a pass. Mm. They're the ones that hurt me. Mm -hmm. So I really went down this path and I started to feel like a total failure. And I stewed in it for a couple of days. Finally told my wife about it, and she said, look, my wife is sort of like the off-the-cuff therapist in our home. Yeah, she's a smart one. She just kind of plays the card. Mm. Uh, I told her about it, and she said, look, it's because of how you were raised. Your parents weren't available to help you balance your mistakes, which every kid makes, and at the same time see growth areas and strong parts of your life and personality. So you just get fixated on the negative, and Mm. and it really threatens you. It was sort of like a light bulb went off and I immediately was able to step into that category. Now I'm 60. Mm-hmm. I've been playing with these categories for decades. <laughs> right. So this is a collective, hey, I think maybe I can grow into this sure. at this point. So it takes a process. It takes a lot of work. But I immediately was able to admit, yeah, you know, I really do wish I would have handled that differently. If I could go back, I probably would. Mm. But I didn't. And that moment does not define me. Mm. Don't mistake the moment for the man. Mm. And it enabled me to accept that moment. And when she helped me reflect on it, I realized, you know, I did bring some immature responses from how I grew up. Mm -hmm. I did get kind of locked into all or nothing, black, white. No, you're wrong. Right. Uh Uh-uh, you did. Mm. No, you did. Mm -hmm. Um, I was able to kind of look at the scenario from multiple perspectives, and she helped me see it a little bit differently. This speaks to let a righteous man strike me. Mm. Like, it is good for me. Uh, We need to receive love from good people, 
And sometimes that's uncomfortable. At the same time, we have to learn to be wise, strategic, and careful as we think about loving people that are difficult. And that requires that we learn how to guard our hearts. So to set this up, we've just said what we don't mean by toxic, which is cutting out anything that's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, there are toxins that we really have to be aware of and on guard for. And we're going to get into those when we come back. Thank you so much for listening to With You in the Weeds. If you like what you're hearing, text this episode to a friend and find us on Instagram at With You in the Weeds. Yeah, so to help us diagnose ourselves and our relationships to see if there's any toxic ways, we're going to talk through five symptoms of a toxic relationship. This is not an exhaustive list, but these are things that we see most commonly when we talk about toxic relationships. And so they are, first of all, harmful words, pride, envy, manipulation, and deceit. And so let's just start with the first one, harmful words. This is a huge category. And we know that words have the power to bring life or death. In James 2.8, it says that the tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. I mean, we can do some serious damage and our words can be used to, you know, call people names. We gossip about other people. We can criticize other people and tear them down. I mean, our words can do such tremendous harm. I remember a story about a mother who only called her daughter when the mother had good news about someone else's daughter. So she would call her daughter and just gush and go on and on about how so-and-so's daughter got engaged or she's pregnant or she just got a promotion at work. And meanwhile, the daughter herself wasn't married and was struggling financially, but the mother took every opportunity with her words to diminish her, to tear her down, to compare her to other women's looks and their successes. And it just so damaged this young woman. And And I would say that our words reveal, maybe perhaps more than any other area of our life, the distance between where we are and where we want to be. We talk about that a lot, that this is a growth process, but our words are so often unloving, uncharitable, unkind. It's really a place that can do a lot of damage. You, you know what strikes me about that story is hurtful words weren't used with the one daughter. They were withheld. Encouraging words were withheld. Mm, mm -hmm. So there's a passage in Ephesians, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is encouraging and able to build up and give grace in the moment. Mm. So you can run through your life and say, well, I didn't cuss mm -hmm. at that person mm -hmm. and I didn't say anything hurtful, but you failed yeah. to build life into someone with your words when you have the opportunity. Yeah. So it's not just what we say with our words, but it's what we don't say and how we withhold love from, from others. And that's so hard to do. Yeah. It's easy to do the negative, really hard to give the positive. Yeah. Um, you know, Matthew 12, 34 says, the mouth speaks what flows from the heart. And so our words can cause harm in a multitude of ways. 
And there's just a few examples that I can come up with. With our words, we criticize, we complain, we gossip, slander, we curse other people, we condemn others. I mean, I could go on here, but the point is that our words have the power to give life or to bring death. There are so many ways that our words create toxicity in a relationship. Just think about how we can speak words so hastily and then we can't take them back. We're often very reckless with our words, but they can wound other people so deeply. Um, You know, there's a story that comes to my mind when it comes to words. When I was in high school, I was on the phone with a friend. And do you remember call waiting? Mm -hmm. Like when you would get the little beep and you're like, oh, I've got another call, you know, and you'd hit the button. And you don't hit it the right way. Yeah. The person's still on the line (laughs) and you start spilling. I can't believe what this person's saying. Well, that's exactly what happened to me. I thought I had switched over. And in the process of doing that, I started gossiping about the person that I had been on the phone with. And then when I thought like I was clicking back to her, it was just like silence on the other end of the line. And I'm um, I'm like, then? hello. And she's like, um, I heard everything you just said. And I had been gossiping about her and I was mortified. I mean, I felt so horrible, so ashamed, so guilty. But it was such a lesson for me that, you know, words spoken hastily, words spoken from a malicious place, gossip can just so tear people down. And in this Mm. case, she was listening and I didn't even know it. No, it can be more subtle too. You know, as we do counseling, when we delve into people's stories, one of the things we're trained to ask about is, were there ever any nicknames that your parents used for you? Mm. Were there ever any like phrases that were commonly repeated that you were uncomfortable with? Mm-hmm. Like my dad used to call me one track because I would get fixated on something. Mm. And he would say, you have a one track mind. But he meant it negatively. Negatively, sure. And it just stuck with me. Yeah. I would say that our struggle with words, I mean, it's not even primarily a technique but it's more just that struggle in our hearts. It's hard to restrain our words. I mean, doesn't James go on to say that all kinds of birds and animals have been tamed, but the tongue can't be tamed? Hmm. I mean, so if you're in a toxic relationship, here's a good litmus test. What are the quality of the words that you are speaking to each other in the relationship? And are you noticing how your words or the other person's words may be poisoning the relationship. Yeah, and this can be really subtle. Um, I was trying to come up with an example mm-hmm. of when have I used hurtful words with someone? So I asked my wife this morning, look, I'm going into this podcast. I know I've been hurtful to you. Give me some examples. She brought up Cheerios in the truck. And it's basically me having truck righteousness. Like I love oh. to keep my truck clean. Right. So I just kind of came in one day last week and I said, hey, you found some Cheerios in the truck. Guess you've been eating. Oh, John. Well, it's, you know, I'm kind of joking around, but Mm. really, honestly, I'm saying to her, I don't like it when you leave Cheerios in my Mm -hmm. truck. Mm -hmm. And then I would follow it with, you know, maybe I should ask your brother like what it was like to ride to school with you. Oh, you did not. I did. Oh, John. In high school, like. I know I've heard him say you left long hairs in his car and it bothered him. So it's kind of funny, but there's 
a real subtle dig that I'm getting at. Like you're inconveniencing me. Yeah. And I think this takes us into our next symptom of a toxic relationship. And you're going to talk a little bit more about pride and selfish ambition. Yeah. Philippians 2, 3. Let's go with selfishness here. Mm. It says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another. It's more important than yourselves. All right. The category here under selfishness and empty conceit is essentially this. We have a tendency, a gravitational orbit and pull to become completely absorbed with our own agenda for a relationship or our lives. Mm. Uh, And this is bad pride, Mm. like trying to be autonomous. I don't care how this impacts somebody else or what God thinks about it. I know I'm right. And I don't really kind of care to create good. What's good for me? Mm-hmm. So I'll find myself when I fall into this becoming a teller more than a listener. Mm-hmm. Like I just have to get my point out there. Um, I'll end up operating out of an emptiness inside that I try to fill up. So I'll try to kind of pull things and people into my orbit to get them to say things to me I want to hear, do things I want them to do or that I think's best, because I essentially want to be in control. It's all about you. It's about me. In its most extreme form, uh, this will step on any relationship to get ahead, whatever getting ahead means. Mm -hmm. And here's the interesting thing. We're largely blind to this dynamic Mm -hmm. working inside of us. For example, No one ever goes and has an affair and wakes up with their mistress and says, oh, you're not my wife. Like they're surprised. It's obvious. (laughs) They've done it. They've made a choice. But selfishness and empty conceit, the bad pride that the Bible categorizes is very subtle, not so obvious. So this morning I'm getting ready for the podcast. I asked my wife, tell me a time that my words have hurt you. I need an example. (laughs) And I told her, I asked you, I'm asking you because I'm literally drawing a blank. And then I just started laughing. I'm like, are Mm. you kidding me? I know that I've heard her multiple times, but I don't account for it in my brain because I'm blinded to it. The hurt is on her, Mm. not on me. Mm -hmm. Now, just as a commentary on this, if you read Philippians 2, 3, and I've heard Christians do this all the time, um, consider one another as more important than yourself. Well, I just need to give them whatever they need Mm. or whatever they want. You've got to read the next verse, verse four. It says, do not merely or only look out for your own interests. In other words, it's always, I think this is what the Bible's telling us. It's always easy and our tendency to look out for our own interests. And there is a place for that. But our tendency is going to always be to exclude other people. So we have to lean into it yeah. because it's very, very subtle. It's a hard one. Selfishness driven out of emptiness. I got to control. I got to fill up my life. It's all about me. Yeah. And I think that leads us even to the next place that we're going to go with this idea of toxic relationships. And that is that I think there can be a sense of envy that drives a toxic relationship. And that's just a very base emotion And we could define envy as um, what I do not have. Hmm. So when envy is present, it's this perpetual feeling of being unsatisfied. And it's like this insatiable desire to have what someone else has. And from that place, we are willing to do just about anything to get it. Hmm. 
We can become very focused and fixated on what others have. And we compare ourselves to them. And this leads to that same sense of emptiness. Like what I have is never good enough. There's always someone or something out there that's better that I desire. And, you know, I've seen this show up in my own life. It's so ugly. I I don't like it at all, but I know it's there. Um, You know, when Shay and I were first married, I saw this in my heart because, um, well, I had a good friend whose husband was the kind of husband that was like a bring home flowers kind of a husband. Mm -hmm. I hate those guys. (laughs) And so, so whenever I would get together with this friend, she always had a story about like, oh, he brought me flowers or he stopped on his way home from work and picked up my favorite ice cream or, you know, my favorite was, you know, she would say, yeah, he was like, you know, let me watch the kids this afternoon while you go shopping, go have lunch with a girlfriend. I mean, all the things that I really wanted. Mm-hmm. And Shay's just not, I mean, by his own admission, he's just not a bring home flowers kind of husband. He is a great guy. He is a super dad. He's a wonderful husband. But in my heart, in my world, I was envious because this other woman had a husband that did these things. And so this wasn't a Shay issue. This was a Lynn issue. And it really ate at me. And it was just so ugly. And I really had to bring this before the Lord and have him deal with that in my heart because then it was like poisoning my relationship with Shay. And so it can take us to this really dark bad place. And from that place, we then can start to feel contempt towards our partner or our friend or our neighbor, whoever it is that we think has this thing that we can't get. Yeah, that's the real acidic side of envy, Mm -hmm. the contempt. And that's if I can't have what that person has, I hope they lose it. Mm -hmm. Like it's really nasty. Sure. All right. Manipulation and control. Let's go there. And I've got written into my notes here, sheesh, we all do this. All right. This is what I mean. It's an outworking of the Philippians 2 passage, selfishness and empty conceit, being self-absorbed, like filling up our own emptiness. And it's real simple. Let me say it like this. I'm starting to dislike the phrase, hey, he or she is just a control freak. Well, guess what? We all are. Mm -hmm. The only time any human was not in control and was satisfied was in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve were perfectly loved and God was in control. And the story that the Bible tells of all of humankind since then is that we traded in at that time being loved to be in control. So now we all want to be in control and we sort of are but we don't have God's power and we don't have a secure place of love. So we end up basing everything in fear, fear of not getting what we want, no matter what it is, love, money, recognition, safety, security. I'm in control. I've got to bring things into my orbit to make my life work. Mm -hmm. And really the, here's a basic principle to think about. The only things we can control are the things God has put us in charge of. So what are those things? Our relationship with ourselves, Mm -hmm. our relationship with God, our responsiveness to him, our emotions, our choices, our behaviors, our attitudes, our thoughts, and to some degree, our motivations. Anytime we reach outside of what we can be in charge of, we start manipulating people and circumstances, and it makes things worse. 
give you some examples of controlling and manipulation in behavior. Playing the victim, okay? Mm -hmm. Playing on people's emotions. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess nobody's going to throw me a party. <laughs> um, crossing boundaries. Uh, power plays yeah. to dominate. Mm -hmm. No, I'll take care of this. Mm -hmm. I know what to do. Mm-hmm triangulation you bring other and this is a tricky one but we gosh we do it all the time mm -hmm. bringing other people into our relationships to get what we want yeah so somebody doesn't think the way i want them to think instead of talking to them like hey what's your opinion on this mm -hmm. tell me kind of how you came up with that idea it's different than mine no i'll call somebody else and say you know what that idiot thinks <laughs> because i want somebody to side with me sure that's triangulation and it creates a lot of division years ago when i was pastoring a church i had a staff person he really disagreed with the direction in which i was leading the church and he was afraid that it was going to cause disruption in the church but instead of coming to me and saying you know i've what are you thinking mm -hmm. i have concerns about this have you thought about this what are you going to do if, instead of that kind of a dialogue, uh, he went behind my back, two other staff persons started telling them, this guy's thinking is really off. Mm. Then he goes to the elder board and tells the elder board, I think this guy's going to hurt our church. And all of a the sudden, there's this huge faction wow. in the church because he wanted a different direction for the church. Yeah. That's a good example of triangulation. Yeah. And that is, like you said, causes so much damage and is very toxic. Um, yeah. So let's go into the last symptom that you can be looking for in a toxic relationship, and that is deceit. And this one is so insidious. It's, well, aren't they all? They, I know. With each one right. we're going through, every I'm like... Single, <laughs> every single one, like, oh, this worse. one's bad. It's just like, oh, it's hard. Well, it's like poison. It is. All of this. It's like, do it, you take one drop of poison yeah. and put it in the pond and then it's contaminated? Or right. do you put a gallon in it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's contaminated. <laughs> exactly. I would bet that every toxic relationship has deceit on some level. And here's the thing about deceit. The more you do it, the better you get at it mm. and the more you get away with it. It's progressive. So you tell a lie and you don't get caught. So you tell another lie and another. You start hiding information from other people. Or maybe you just tell a half-truth. And over time, this kind of deceit destroys trust, which is needed and crucial for any healthy relationship. And so deceit really punches a devastating blow. And it's like throwing gasoline on the fire. And, you know, it's funny because I think every good reality show on TV, there is always a measure of deceit. You know, like when the camera pans away and it shows the person, you know, talking to the camera saying, yeah, I haven't told him yet that I have $30,000 in credit card debt or, you know, yeah, he hasn't told his family about me yet because they may not like me, but we're getting married tomorrow. Or, you know, yeah, I haven't told her that my divorce isn't finalized yet. Like, there's always some element of that person's hiding something from the other person. This is why you're good at therapy, because you watch these reality <laughs> TV shows and you diagnose the relational maladies. Right. But you know what? This kind of stuff is what makes for good drama on TV. And we're drawn into it. Mm -hmm. It's entertaining, right? When you see all the triangulation and the deceit and the manipulation going on. and Because you watch it and you think, well, I've done that. Are they going to get by with it? Yeah, exactly. Or I don't do what they did. Like, yeah. 
I'm bad. I'm not as bad as, yeah, I'm not as screwed up. (laughs) Yeah. But like, seriously, just the next time you watch a reality show, just look for harmful words, pride, envy, manipulation, deceit. It's a great cocktail for drama. But you know what? When it's happening in real life, it's very painful. It's very destructive, very poisoning to a relationship. Yeah. So, you know. Wrap it up. Yeah. I mean, I just think about uh, 1 Peter 2, 1. Uh, He names all of these symptoms when it says, put away all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, selfish ambition, and vain conceit, and consider others better than yourself. I mean, what a great summary. What a great call for us as believers, for us to be examining our hearts, examining our behavior, and really working towards healthy relationships. And here's the thing. We will never fully graduate from dealing with poison Mm. in our relationships. We have to constantly be on guard against it, but it starts by naming and identifying it so that we can learn to deal with it. And that's what we're going to address in part two. You know, the line I think about when you say all of that is a guy that from a distance mentored me. And he used to use this line all the time. Hey, cheer up. It's a lot worse than you think. And that's really kind of what we're saying. The reality is that sin has so twisted itself into every category of our lives. We just can't overpower it or get out from underneath it. Hence, Jesus, you are the good one. Like you're the one that rescues me from this. Mm -hmm. It's not my goodness. Mm -hmm. And that's a good place to end the hopefulness of the gospel. Yeah. The freedom to admit, yeah, I struggle with this Mm -hmm. and I can start growing. Well, I'm excited to talk more about how we can learn to manage it. Yes. And that's episode two. Then we'll get into it next week. Thanks for letting us be with you in the weeds of life. We want this resource to bring you hope and to help bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. Follow us on Instagram at with you in the weeds. If you like what you're hearing, text the episode to a friend, like us and leave a review. Until next time, remember, God is with you in the weeds.